So you need this year, you need the next year. So you probably only want someone in that seat for one year in 2025. What if you give your old friend Valtteri Bottas a call? Oh. What if you just call VB77 like, oh. hey, buddy, missed you. George needs a partner for 2025. What do you think? Hey, pal, we, we saw your, your nude artwork and we were just smitten. We were, we were just. We want you back. Yes. Oh, we loved it. Life's a peach, and so is yours. And speaking of getting the party started. For the victory lap, though. They ain't never seen nothing like this before. Lit the room when I came through the front door. Ask me if I should overcome. What for? Train in the trees, please pardon my sycamore. It's time for another episode of the Gridiron Podcast, and Sean, it's always a race for me. As soon as I hit go live, I have to speed through getting the tweets out, and this was probably about as close as I've ever gotten to not getting it out in time to come back and then do the show in a separate tab. But here we are. We made it. I'm Nick Shook. That's Sean Barry. It is episode 26 of the Gridiron Podcast, and Lando's making noise in Sean's background. Sean and Lando, how you doing? I'm good. I think he just threw his dog tags across the room. And you know what, Nick? I'm going to respond to that tweet by retweeting it. Right Look at there. that. Just Look at like that. that. Well, I'm sorry, reposting it oh, ever sorry. since it became X, formerly known as Twitter. How you doing tonight, man? I'm great. And um, I hope Lando isn't uh, sending you a message that he's out of this family by getting rid of his dog tags just and just, you know, chucking his dog tags. No, it comes off his collar all the time, but he's keeping me company up here in our little den. So yeah. Just, uh, just ditching, ditching the whole thing. He's, just he's done with gone, this out of here. Yeah. Well, his well, name is even spelled wrong on the dog tags. It's Lambo. <laughs> How did that I, happen? I have no idea because I submitted the paperwork back in Fort Myers where we got Lando to, what was it? The, uh, where, where do you register dogs? You know, like the Department of Animal Services or whatever. Yeah, and like know. I wrote it down, Lando, L-A-N-D-O. And like it still came back printed on the dog tag, Lambo. Sean, so, do you have a hard time differentiating between lowercase d's and lowercase b's? I do. I'm not the one that printed the tag. Someone else there is. And we Are you sure you didn't we, write Lambo? I did not write Lambo. I wrote Lando. Do you write your J's backward? No, I don't even know what that means. That's a, How would you write your J backwards? It's a reference to a stand-up. Um, I didn't get that, Nick. Speaking of ditching uh, families, we have some bombshell F1 news. That's right. Tonight, instead of oh, starting God. with the NFL, I know the Super Bowl is around the corner, and that's why we're podcasting, even if it didn't quite fit to the schedule. We had to do a podcast, and we're going to lead it with F1 news in February, probably the first time ever because we haven't even gotten to testing yet. But the sh- most shocking news that you could possibly imagine came from Formula One this week. It was sent to me at 6.30 in the morning, and I felt very privileged to break the news to both Sean and Katie, who is not here tonight as she prepares to cover the Super Bowl. Lewis Hamilton is leaving Mercedes for Ferrari in 2024. Why? Why, Lewis? I know you're listening. Why? When I read it, I was like, there's no way this is true. This has to be a troll. Like, There's no way that the guy who defines Mercedes what is he, a seven-time world champion, Sean? Nearly an eight-time world champion? I know we're, gonna, we're not going to debate sure, that. Like, don't, don't bring that up, Nick. You're a Red Bull fan. Do not bring that up. Do not bring saying, Abu Dhabi 2021 up to me. Let's talk about facts. And just so I can give him his credit and his due and kind of quantify how legendary he is in this sport. 
the best driver in the modern era of F1, maybe not the best driver on the grid right now, but the best driver in the modern era is leaving the team that he has made one of the best teams in F1 for a team that is a freaking clown show dressed in red. Make it make sense, Sean. I can't, except if you look at these two teams right now, they're about neck and neck. Ferrari was the only team in the 2023 season that won a race other than Red Bull. Um, and yeah, Mercedes finished in second place in the drivers or in the constructors championship, but this has to be just that kind of Hail Mary. Like there are always rumors of Lewis going to Ferrari, always rumors, but he always stuck with Mercedes to the point where you thought he was going to retire a Mercedes man. Yeah, that was the and talk. I feel it was like more that he would retire than that he would leave. I, I feel like he thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, it needs to be now. Okay. Because he wanted a multi-year deal at Mercedes, and what he got was a one-and-one. And he said, okay, well, I'll take the one, and then I might split after that. We'll see. He knows Mercedes isn't going to be competitive enough to compete with Red Bull for the next year or two. But Ferrari just might by 2026. He's gambling. He is absolutely gambling. He's taking the same gamble that he took when he left McLaren for Mercedes back in 2014. Or 2013, I guess that was. But it's now or never. Like, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I, I feel like he's like, if, I, if I'm going to win this driver's championship, can I truly do it at Mercedes? If I do not think unequivocally the answer is 100% yes, then I got to do whatever I can to get that championship. And I feel like he's not going to Red Bull. That ain't happening. So it's yeah. got to be free. I mean, the real dream that would end the sport is, is Lewis and Max, but that would also probably end Red Bull because they'd be fighting all the time. They would just, yeah, they would know. I think context is very necessary to really properly analyze this. And what we have to do in providing context is take a look back at the 2023 season in which at one point Lewis was so frustrated with the car that Mercedes gave him. He was complaining throughout a race in Austria to the point where Toto got on the on the radio and said, Lewis, we know the car is bad. Please just drive it. Like he complained every race. He didn't have his tires. The car was stiff. It just didn't work out for his driving style. So it leads me to the question, and I think Katie probably sent this in the in the group chat, or at least she texted me this. Um, do you think Lewis got one look at the new car and said, I'm out? Like I, you know, it's time to find a better option. It's possible like that. That's the joke everyone keeps talking about. But the thing that I keep going back to is we can make fun of Ferrari for their many, many, many blunders, many. many, many blunders over the last couple of years. But they at the end of the day are still the car in red. They are still the Scuderia and they can get whatever they want. Doesn't <sighs> matter if you think they're a clown show. They just took the seven time world champ and plucked him out of the team that you said he made. They are still Ferrari, and they are showing you right now the kind of pull that they can still get. So, Sean, as somebody who became a fan around the pandemic, I've only known Ferrari to be pretty bad, to be the team that disappointed Sebastian Vettel so much that he left for Aston Martin to finish his career, to be the team that had a good enough car to compete in each of the last two years and their own mental blunders, whether it was race strategy or mechanical issues, or the occasional signs or Leclerc putting the car on the wall would get in their way and would sabotage them. They, they were the masters of self-sabotage. So I'm glad you said that because 
to me, Ferrari doesn't carry that prestige. I get the history. I'm, I very much understand that, but I'm about results and results in the last five or so, however many years have not been good enough for me to look at them and think that is a perennial contender. That's, that's the Alabama of F1. That is the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it kind of is Dallas Cowboys. It could be the Dallas Cowboys. It is kind of the Dallas Cowboys. Like you, you want to wear the star in your helmet. Well, you want to drive with the prancing horse in your car. That's that doesn't land with me because I haven't seen them do anything with it. It's interesting that at this stage in his career, like Lewis would make this decision just because it felt very much like Mercedes was Lewis and Lewis was Mercedes, and the only way he would finish his career by was by competing with them and then just riding off into the sunset. It was disappointing to not see him have an opportunity to contend in each of the last each of the last two seasons and especially this last season to the point where George Russell was out driving him in some races. But I'm still just so flabbergasted well, that he would now. leave. He was. In some races, he was. I, I feel like Lewis soundly put George in his place this past season. Um, yeah, early in the season, it was, it was debatable. Right, but I, I think Lewis still showed he can, he, he can compete with the best. It, it goes back to that, to that Enzo Ferrari quote, you know, ask a child to draw a car and he will color it red. Okay, that, that, that is Ferrari. That is their legacy. It doesn't matter what we, the new fans of F1, believe or what we think about when we think about Ferrari. They still are the most successful, the oldest team on the grid. And they will always be that car, that team. And they said, you know what? Yeah, but that... that Lewis, uh, that, Lewis we're, we'll give you a multi-year deal. We'll give you the moon. We'll give you everything. Come, come to Italy. We've got this. And they did. And they did. That's like Browns fans who are like, look at our eight championships, our four AAFC championships, and our four NFL championships. Yeah, our last one came which like three years say. before the which first Super Bowl. Which they do Bowl. say. I know. I used to be that guy. But you like, did. what, are you going to rest on your laurels that long? Like, this is a team that has been, uh, it's been a clown show. Like I said, Albert chimes in from the chat. He says, plus Lewis has long-term relationships with both the Ferrari CEO and the team principal. So if you want to connect the dots, get to your Pepe Silvia in the middle of the board. Always Sunny fans get that. Then, then this helps you put some, you know, red string together and lead it to this outcome. It's just, it is, it is. At the very, at the very end of the day, though, think about it. Like Lewis Hamilton is probably going to go out a Ferrari driver, win, lose, or draw. He is going to go out in the red car, and that is kind of cool if you think about it. Like the it's, greatest driver ever cool. is going to end his career most likely with the greatest team ever. Do you think he considered how his legacy could be? I hate talking about legacy because it's just sports talk jargon, but it does matter here how his legacy could be could be tarnished if he went out in like Vettel fashion, like where the car sucks and one of the best drivers out there just suddenly can't legitimately compete because Ferrari can't get out of the way. They have a good car. They do have a good car. Um, but I just I, I fear that first moment where they something goes wrong with the car or strategy's bad and like he's just ripping into his engineer. Like, is Bono gonna be his engineer? Is he gonna follow him to Ferrari? Like there's so many questions that still have to be answered. Counter counterpoint, what if he thought that's what was going to happen if he stayed at Mercedes? It's a good point. That's a fantastic point. I'm glad you made it because that's the way they were trending. Which circles back to, you know, do you think you gotta look, look at the car and realize that they haven't made any improvements? They're in a bad spot. Ever since these regulations, yeah. you know, took took hold, the whole like zero side pod thing, they went against the grain. Everyone's got these wide side pods and Mercedes is like, we have none. And then they finally ditched that last year and the car still wasn't good enough. Um, they're in a bad spot. I totally agree with that. Um, and I think that's a fair point to, to be made. Uh, Albert, again, in here in the chat says, will Lewis still be there for the new regs in 2026? 
multi-year yes. deal, Sean. Does, does, does that yeah, multi-year if, deal? I mean, if it starts in 25, then he'll be there in 26. Absolutely. So what yeah, if I think Ferrari that's when screws he's... that up? That again, but the the positives outweigh the negatives, in my opinion, because he's always wanted to race for Ferrari. We know that. This is okay. Are they going to be any worse than Mercedes? Who screwed up the regs worse this last time around? Mercedes, Mercedes. by a long shot. By a lo- exactly because if we remember, Ferrari had a competitive car last year or two years ago, I guess, and if they didn't screw up a couple of their races. You know, it would have taken Max a lot longer to win that championship. He eventually would have. I'm confident of that. But Charles would have won a couple more races. Maybe uh, Carlos would have even snagged a second or even third race. Like the the season would have been more enjoyable to watch, but Ferrari just messed it up. Um, so when you're taking all of this into account, then the answer is really, yeah, Ferrari is. It, it's not the safest bet, but he wasn't going to go to McLaren. He's not going to go to Aston Martin. He's not going to go to Red Bull. Like the only answer was, if I'm going to make a change, I got to do it now. And the only team I could go to is Ferrari. I saw somebody's. Uh, he was one of my friends. Actually, they were like, "So who does uh, McLaren replace? Or not McLaren? Who's Mercedes replace Lewis with? Do they go after Lando?" And I'm like, "Absolutely not. Lando is nope. ne- like never leaving McLaren as it stands right now. That is their golden boy. They will do any yep. and everything to keep him in the papaya for sure." Oh, Lando percent. and Oscar were even tweeting back and forth as this was all unfolding because Oscar tweeted about going on a run. Did I miss anything? And Lando was like. Just tweeted like a, a a gif of himself like sipping a straw, like McLaren sitting back watching all of this unfold. Like McLaren's yeah. just sitting there going, Man, this is crazy. Glad it's not us. You know what it does though? It it sets up for like basically we were going into the season thinking Red Bull, you know, the the everybody's preseason favorite. Ferrari, if they can get their stuff together, maybe. And McLaren being like that next contender, like that's the team that should push them, right? Um, but now I mean, got, with Lewis I, and Lewis and Ferrari, like suddenly it's a three-team situation. Oh, okay. I thought. Are we talking about 2025 or this upcoming season? Oh, you're right. I was going to say like Lewis still Lewis still has another year at Mercedes, and I was yeah. going to say this year I'm probably going to go Red Bull one confidently. I'd put McLaren number two there um, if they can continue their trajectory. Yeah. Well, and what it also sets up for is one of the most awkward F1 seasons in history, where Lewis is going to be in Mercedes all year, and everybody knows he's leaving. Yeah, it's going to be so – the way this broke too, because you have to remember, like, this wasn't built up over a time. This is the greatest driver in the sports history, statistically. Just one minute, he is Mercedes, and then at 6 a.m., Thursday morning, he's wearing red. It's kind of like the death of the Pac-12. Like, the national championship game ended, and it was like, and so long to the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like- and good night. It's, it, it is crazy, because this – and it clearly caught – Mercedes off guard the yeah. way it broke too. I'm sure they knew already. I think uh, I think it, the story broke that Lewis told Toto on Wednesday, and then the story broke early Thursday. So a day later, Mercedes was still trying to figure out all right, how are we going to deal with this? And then it leaked, and then all hell broke loose. So it put Mercedes, it put Toto Wolf on the back foot. And you know who really loves that? Red Bull. Of Christian course. Warner. Oh, Red Bull's sitting back just licking their chops, just watching the chaos unfold in Mercedes and thinking, <laughs> oh, you were this close to beating us for the championship a few years ago, and now you lost your best driver, and you don't know what you caught with your pants hey, man. down. You, you, either, you either die hero or live long enough to become the to villain. become the villain, yes, of course. Um, yeah, you're right about the Wednesday uh, 
you know, communication. Funny thing is, Sean, according to F1.com, Toto and Lewis sat down for breakfast at Toto's home in Oxford, uh, United Kingdom on Wednesday. And they'd had this planned for a while. They usually catch up like this. But as Toto said, what quote, what happened is that we got together for coffee in my place in Oxford with him returning to the factory this week. And he said to me that he has decided to race for Ferrari in 2025. That was basically it. We had a good hour of conversation and this is where we are. End quote. <laughs> like, that's, no, that's, that's, that's exactly how it happened. Good, good, more, good Morgan, uh, Lewis. Yeah. Hey, hey, Toto, I'm, I'm going to race for Ferrari next year. Oh, okay. Well, here's your coffee. Yeah, yeah. No, that's Definitely. not how it happened. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, Susie great. just uh, comes out onto the porch with Toto. Enjoys. Oh, Susie, guess what? Guess what? Lewis just told me he is going for Ferrari next year. What's interesting is my God, Austrian that's, like, accent's that's like terrible. A, that, that's like a bad like Bond villain scene. Like, I know my Austrian accent. I I, I can't do Austrian. Guess sorry. what? 007 just told me. I'm not even going to try. Uh, Toto said. Um, you know, he said he's worried. You know, what are we doing about communications? What's the timing? How do we protect the team best? And how do we protect this 2024 year to be successful together with our two drivers without causing too much awkwardness? Like they're totally leaning into the fact that it's just going to be super awkward. It's fantastic. I, <laughs> I love it. Like this sport never ceases to deliver drama. And like it's high, it's like junior high drama half the time. And this is high school drama. This is the quarterback is telling the girl the head cheerleader girlfriend that look i'm gonna go date the girl who's i don't know president of the av club or something like you're out like oh but by the way you still have to cheer at all my games like yeah like so tough i mean the question on everyone's mind now is you know is this going to start on is is this going to snowball into this avalanche of silly season all before the season even gets started because now you know Lewis is going to Ferrari. That means Carlos is out of a seat in 2025. So where does he go? Who takes the seat at Mercedes? Do they just swap? What happens? Well, we have some interested chatters that have offered some theories. First, Katie popped in. She said, quick pop in. Hi, friends. I still have the Zoomies about the Lewis news. Well, that's why we're here to do the podcast, Katie. It's only, the only disappointment is that you're not joining us and running around the room during the show, because that would be great. Clearly, content. she has time to message us, though. Yes, can't get on, on the, the pod, but you know, no, can, but can type, but chime in on the chat, Katie. Yeah, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll remember this. Now we file know. it away. Now file we know. Away. And she also said she wants to see George Russell and Fernando Alonso. That would be interesting. See, but would that just be a one-year flyer? Like, is Fernando going to want more than one year? I have no idea. Like, we're in such a stage right now where we have two generations of drivers, and there's like a clear divide. Like. Even even Checo is kind of in the latter group where it's like he's not his time is you know running out on him with with Red Bull and then Fernando is just like the ageless wonder who continues to drive well and who knows if he ever is going to retire legitimately and so where does that factor into all of this I don't know I think and I would love this I don't think it's actually going to happen but I think Mercedes probably just wants. Uh, like a one-year flyer on someone because they've got a junior driver, Antonelli, coming up. And he is really good. He's going to start F2 this year. He's going to skip F3, go right into F2 this year. But he's still going to need a couple of years, right? So you need this year. You need the next year. So you probably only want someone in that seat for one year in 2025. What if you give your old friend Valtteri Bottas a call? Oh, 
What if you just call VB77 like, oh. hey, buddy, missed you. George needs a partner for 2025. What do you think? Hey, pal, we, we saw your, your nude artwork and we were just smitten. We were, we were just. We want you back. Yes. Oh, we loved it. Life's a peach and so is yours. Because at the same time, Carlos has always been connected to Sauber, soon to turn into Audi in 2026, but that wasn't until 2026. So if you're Carlos, I mean, hey, you are always going to go to Sauber in the end. Maybe just get there a year early. Yeah, you have to drive a shit box for a year, but then it turns into Audi and you just get in bed with the team a year early. So it, I feel like if you're Carlos, you're fine. You're kind of sitting pretty. This was always an inevitability. It's just one yet less year at Ferrari. And then, you know, if it's, it's Valtteri Bottas out of a seat at Sauber, yeah, go back to Mercedes. Why not? That's what I would like to see. I don't think it will happen, but I would love to see VB77 uh, back in the Silver Arrows. That would be a fun little reunion. Uh, Albert chiming in again says, um, I'm a fan of Albon in the second seat for Merck personally. That's, you're speaking my language, my friend, because I love the way he, he drove for Williams this past season. I thought he didn't get enough love because Sean's too, you know, uh, seduced by the stars and stripes of Logan Sargent. And, you know, he just didn't want to pay attention to the better driver of the two and how Alex Albon was driving a car that wasn't very good into the points somewhat consistently or at least contending for points. But that's neither here nor there. I like the idea. I will tell you that I was hearing rumors online today that Alex Albon has been offered a three-year contract to replace Sergio Perez at the end of this year. Ooh. And if you are Alex Albon... I hope you take that Mercedes seat, and I hope you just extend just the biggest, longest middle finger towards yes. Christian Horner. Just stick it right in his general direction and go to Mercedes. Hey, Christian, shove it. I wasn't even good enough to last a whole season. Uh, Lemon Bendy, <laughs> hello, Lemon. Thank you for joining. Says, Katie, she can't be that busy. <laughs> well, know. she's we'll texting us, too. She said yeah, she likes so, my accents. So. You know, maybe... Uh, Maybe she's just distracted. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be super interesting to watch this all unfold, to watch the entire season of awkwardness with Lewis Hamilton, with Mercedes, when everybody knows he's not going to Ferrari. Maybe there's some, you know, guarded behavior in the paddock where, you know, nobody really wants to be on Team Lewis anymore. Maybe now George, you know, Lewis becomes a strategy driver, and George is the guy. I mean, why not? Lewis is leaving. Why would you continue to invest in him when he's already leaving? That's going to be fun. That's going to be a great reason to watch the season. All right. Um, the other F1 tidbit that we should cover before we move on to football. Um, F1 popularity has exploded in the United States so much that uh, the Andretti family would like to get in. And they've done all the work on their end to create a, a really interesting pitch to join the grid as the 11th team. And for a while, a lot of us thought, yeah, this is going to work. And then we get the news this week that F1 and the FIA said, nope. Get out of here. Apply again for future years. We ain't taking you to the grid right now, no matter how good your offer is. Because guess what? In the end, you benefit from it more than we do. And we're all about us here. Because we might be about racing, but we're really about business and, and benefiting the teams that are on the grid. And Andretti re replied with calling them greedy. <laughs> like, he was just like, yeah, they're just greedy. They don't want to share another piece of the pie, which I understand. Uh, were you surprised by this, Sean? I really was, actually. Um... Because I've been following this story for a while, and as soon as GM and you know Cadillac came into the picture, and it wasn't just Andretti, it was 
Oh, now we're going to get an Andretti Cadillac team. We have GM money. We have GM facilities. The biggest car manufacturer in all of North America behind this team, behind one of America's greatest race teams. I mean, you can certainly put up Penske up there and Hendrick Motorsports and all that stuff. But now we're putting Andretti, who has won already in Formula E and Formula uh, Formula E and rally cars. They've won IndyCar. You know, they, they have all of this pedigree. Not to mention, you know, Mario Andretti is not the face of it because Michael is, but at the same time, you know, he's, he's part of it. You have a former F1 world champion and his family that are a part of this. I get F1 saying, you know, you benefit more from it than we do because at the end of the day, F1 doesn't want to share more of the pieces of pie. But what is the problem here? You have no problem marketing to Americans. You have no problems charging us thousands of dollars Way more just than any for a country. seat for yeah. a single day of racing in Miami, in Austin, in Vegas. You have no problem taking our money. But when it comes to supporting our teams, our racers, our drivers, you thumb your nose up at us. It's not going to be too long until people start to realize that and take exception to that. This was a home run hire that F1 could have come through with because of the name behind it, uh, because of the money attached to it. So, yeah, I was surprised because as soon as GM came in the picture, I thought, well, this is a slam dunk. I mean, they're going to they're gonna be the Andretti Cadillac team. They're going to have Cadillac engines. This is going to be great. They're not going to be the freaking Visa Cash App RB Formula One team. Yeah. Kick Sauber Stake F1 fu team like this is this is stupid this is just stupidity they yeah. say well you know we you, you don't have the money we're gonna lose too much money you have teams named after cash app popular app people i've tried to sell things on craigslist and people have like, like you have cash app and i was like no but i know an f1 team that does you 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 had teams that couldn't secure enough sponsors so they had to just rely on visa cash app rb formula one team like this is it's absurd it's 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 and it's frustrating too because i was i was really looking forward to seeing a team like andretti who i follow in indycar you know in f1 because they clearly wanted it too they weren't in it just to get their name in it they were in it to, to be win it. better as racers and yeah, yeah i guess and yeah because i feel like look like why not just buy haas and rename it like if they're not going to let you in, just do that. Because, like, Haas is not a, comp a contending team. Yeah. Gene, Gene's not willing to put any more money in it. Like, let's just fix all of this right now and swap them out. You're out, Gene. In comes Andretti. They're going to put money into it. They have a demonstrated history of winning and racing. You go for it. One of your teams will never win an F1 driver or constructors championship because it is owned by another team on the grid. Yes. In what other sport is that fair? We have 10 teams. No, you have nine teams. Yep. Because one of them is a little brother to Red Bull, whom they will never let be better than them. And oh, they don't quite frankly care if they're better than anyone else. That would be really fun, though, if, if AlphaTauri, formerly named AlphaTauri, formerly named Toro Rosso, uh, now Visa, Cash App, uh, RB, whatever, VCarb, it, it would, would push them on the grid. That would be fun. But you're right. It's never going to happen. It takes away a little bit of the intrigue. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, it's it's short-sighted, in my opinion. So we got reasons to watch. We got reasons to criticize. That is F1 in a nutshell. Uh, testing starts at the end of this month. 
And then we move on to the start of the season. It's going to be around the corner. It's going to be here before you know it. But you know what, Sean? Hmm. You know what's really around the corner? Super Bowl 58. That's right, folks. For those of you, the majority of the population who struggle with reading Roman numerals because it's an ancient numbering system that we only use for Super Bowls <laughs> and for um, movie productions for some reason, uh, LVIII is 58. The L is 50. The V is 5. Three more after the five. That makes it an eight. 58 in Vegas coming up. But before we get into the NFL talk, Sean, it's time ah, for America's favorite game show. The game show that, as I say every week, is sweeping or swiffering the nation. The game show that your aunt is just catching on to. She's talking about it at book club. Her friends, the middle-aged women of the suburbs, they're watching Gridiron Podcast. Why? Because of Do You Even Know? And today, Sean, in the crosshairs is you. Katie's not here, so it's you versus me, mano y mano, and I came prepared to mano bury y mano. I thought I thought all those middle aged ants out there were listening because of my silky smooth voice. Well, yeah, that's that's part of it, Sean. I mean, the the appeal that you bring to the podcast carries it. Let's be honest, mm, you know. Thank it's you. Not, not the graphics, it's not the editing, it's not my bald head. It's you. It's all you. Thank you. Thank that's you. why that that drunk girl at Gasparilla was like, "Are you Sean Barry?" You know, yes, I am. You just burned into the consciousness of all viewers in the ta- greater Tampa area. I, I did, by the beyond. way, I did survive. I, I survived Gasparilla uh, this year. Good for I, you. I did survive, yeah. Was it fun? It was great. A little worse for wear, Sunday morning. Yeah, uh, But no, it was a great time. Great time. All right. Well, I'm happy for you. Thank you. Can I get, can I get an R? R, you're ready for Do you even know? All right, Sean, question number one. Our theme this week, Super Bowl trivia, because, of course, the Super Bowl is coming up. Okay. So I I dug into uh, some handy Super Bowl trivia available via Google search. They went Super Bowl by Super Bowl. So we're going to get a wide-ranging Super Bowl history here. Some connections to you to make it a little bit easier. Uh, Here we go. I knew you would. Question number one. Thanks to Larry Zonka's close call with injuries, Super Bowl VIII was the final game where, this is multiple choice, A, goalposts were stationed in front of the end zone, B, face masks were optional, C, grabbing a player by his face mask was legal, and D, chin straps were optional. Which one of those is the reason? So my options are goalposts were in front of the end zone. Yes. Or in the end zone. Face masks were optional face mask grabbing was legal or chin straps were optional. Correct. This was Super Bowl eight. Eight. Can you tell me what year this was? Um, it's early 70s. Let's find out. That's here. what I thought. Google. Nine uh, was the year. This was, was 72. Ni- this was the undefeated it was, season. It was the 1973 season and the game was played on January 13th, 1974 at Rice Stadium, which is in Texas for those of you who don't know. Uh, I'm going to go, because it was at a college stadium, I'm going to go with um, goalposts being in the end zone. You nailed it. Yes. After that, All right. Goalposts were moved to the back of the end zone, and we got the curved bar eventually that you now see. Two of them if you're at Death Valley, home of the LSU Tigers. That is correct. Super Bowl Eight. thanks to Larry Zonka's close call with injury, Super Bowl Eight was the final game where goalposts were stationed in the front of the end zone. You're one for one, Sean. Sweet. All right. Question number two. With his team ahead seven to three to start the second half in a Super Bowl you remember quite fondly, Super Bowl 40 in the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan. Fast Willie Parker extended the Steelers lead after recording the longest run in Super Bowl history. 
How long was the run? I'm not even going to give you options first. I want you to tell me off the top of your head, see if you can get it right off the top of your head. If not, I'll give you some I, I know it was greater than 70 yards, and I know it was less than 75 yards. I want to say it was 73. All right, we're going to stick with that because the answer was 75. Sorry, you lose oh. the right rules. Really? It was 75? It was 75. Because I remember he broke uh, Marcus Allen's record for the longest run, and I thought it was 73. Damn. Now, was that the Marcus Allen run where he, like, reversed course in the backfield and shot through yes. the middle? Feel like a cannon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. memorable yeah. moment there. All right, one for two, Sean. Sorry that you didn't get your Steelers question right, but I did save a good one. I was, Another, I, I was close. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy I was close. Margin of yeah. error, I'll give myself that. You were very close. You know, it's like um, margin of error in stats, right? It's like plus or minus right. two. Yeah, you know, you yeah. were within the range, so good for you. I sucked at stats. Question number three. In Super Bowl 37, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers picked off Rich Gannon a record five times en route to a 48-21 victory over the Raiders. How many of those interceptions were returned for touchdowns? Your options oh, are one, uh, are one I should four. know this. Uh, you're putting me on blast in front of my home audience here in Tampa Bay. Um, three of them. Oh, he nailed it, folks. Two for three, three Sean Barry. Yeah. Sound the alarm bells. My God. Three interceptions returned for touchdowns. Sean, um, as a bonus, can you tell me who the Super Bowl MVP was that year? Uh, yes, it was. It was not Derek Brooks. Oh, what was his name? I interviewed him last year. Uh, this. I was at a golf event. I interviewed him. Shoot. His career spanned stints, two stints with the Bucs. I know. One year yeah, I know. I know. Three years it was, it was Bengals. Random. It was very random. Um, 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 um. Shoot. Uh. God, why can't I remember his name? Uh, just tell me his name. His name was Dexter Jackson. Yes. I knew it began with a D. He was, uh, yeah. there was also a Mac connection in that game, Sean. Another person who intercepted a pass and returned it for a touchdown went to a Mac school. His name was Dwight Smith. Can you tell me what school he went to? As I wear this Ohio. March Madness shirt from 2017. Did he go to Kent? No, he went to Akron. Yeah. So, yeah. That's We don't talk about Akron on this podcast. I was going to say. Zip him up. And that is another rousing edition of in which Sean Barry went two for three. I'll say two and a half for three. All right. I mean, you're not scorekeeping. You're participating. But okay. Fine. Whatever. It was. Do you even know? All right. Look at us. We're flying. We are flying. Time for NFL talk. Super Bowl 58 is around the corner. Before we get to that, we've got some hiring news. Three coaches hired, actually four, if you count Jim Harbaugh's introduction this week, in the NFL. We're going to go straight to your coverage area again, Sean. This podcast is built around you, my friend. You're the one who brings in the suburban ants, and you're the one that I built this entire show around. Actually, Katie. Oh, thank you. I just added this in. Yeah, I was sad. Somebody you got to know quite well in 2023 is now a head coach in the NFL. But okay. Well enough. You were at his press conferences. That's all that matters. True. Yeah. Dave Canales, former offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the architect of the offense that reclaimed Baker Mayfield's career, is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And Sean, 
I don't know if you watched the introductory press conference. I don't know if you cared. It's fine if you didn't. Um, but what was your reaction and what are your expectations for Dave Canales in Carolina with Bryce Young? So I'll answer this kind of in two parts. So I was surprised that he got hired uh, just because he's only had one year as a coordinator. But then at the same time, I wasn't surprised because whenever I was in those press conferences, I kind of forgot that he was the offensive coordinator and not the head coach because just listening to him, he is so uh, just he's so calm. He's so collected. He is just so honest and real that you could tell he, that he is a true leader of men. So while, yes, he might not have the experience you necessarily want in a head coach, he definitely has the leadership quality down, which is probably the most important part of being a head coach in the NFL. Getting grown men, NFL athletes, to buy into what you are trying to sell them. And, and he can absolutely do that. You also have the track record he has with quarterbacks. Okay, Russell Wilson had his best career year under his tutelage as quarterbacks coach in Seattle. He revived Geno Smith as the quarterback's coach in Seattle. Then he comes down here to Tampa Bay and revive Baker Mayfield's career to the point where he is now going to probably get somewhere in the neighborhood of $40 million per year. Baker Mayfield we're talking about. I mean, Daniel Baker. Jones did too, so yeah. Exa True, but it's <laughs> Baker to, Mayfield. To, you said I'm talking about parade, it's Baker yes, Mayfield. Yes. But, that, but that's, that, that's my point. Like he, he put him in that conversation. And he talked about it too in his press conference. You know, for Baker, it was, okay, what is he good at? Let's figure out that. And then let's create an entire scheme around that. He found what Baker was good at, and that's how the offense operated. And it worked. They got to the divisional round of the playoffs and were a possession away from going to the NFC Championship game. That's insane considering this team was supposed to tank this year because of the cap hits they faced, the dead cap space they had. Um, so I wasn't surprised because I knew if Dave Canales – talked in those interviews the way he talked in his press conferences how could you not be sold on the guy like how can you just want him to lead your team you want to follow them into the depths of hell so i understood that um at the same time i'm kind of worried because he is it was a rookie coordinator now he's a rookie head coach with one of the more temperamental owners in the nfl that's a great way and to when describe it and, and really walk the line good job right when, when you're working with an owner like that um, who's going to want to be invested, I guess is the kind way to put it, in the day-to-day -day operations, um, and you're a rookie head coach, that's kind of a red flag to me. At the same time, if you're David Canales, this is one of 32 jobs in the world, how can you not take it? You also get to work with Bryce Young. Now you get to say, well, I helped out Russell Wilson, I helped out Geno Smith, Baker Mayfield, and now I'm going to take this first-round draft pick, this number one overall pick, who y'all are already saying is a bust, and I'm going to make him look like an MVP candidate. Like, that's what he's aiming to do. Those are high expectations. Um, he, you're right, he does have the track record. The question is, is what kind of leeway does he get? What, how long is the runway? What's the leash length like? Because Frank Wright got 11 games. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and it was a disaster. And I understand why they fired him. But they also opened the checkbook to put together a star-studded staff around him. And that wasn't good enough. The results are not going to come overnight with the Panthers. No. Let's, we can just be that honest. Because for as good as Baker played, he also had some really good weapons at his disposal. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin being t the top two of them. I mean, there were games early in the season where Baker had no choice but just chuck it to Mike Evans as much as possible. 
and hope that it pans out. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. He did break 4,000 passing yards. He did have a career year, but it wasn't as seamless and smooth as some people might think just based on the numbers if they just looked at the numbers. I don't see that happening with Bryce Young, but it gets still better than what they had. And, and that's why I think that the hire still makes sense because with this hire, you had to prioritize Bryce Young above all. You had to right. ensure that you gave him the best coach possible to get him back on track. You had to do what Jacksonville did with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. You had to get a quarterback whisperer of a coach and get that guy back on track because you mortgaged way too much capital to go get Bryce Young to allow him to just wither away in a system that doesn't fit his style, but with a coach that is not going to properly support him. So it makes a ton of sense. But the pressure, Sean, oh my God, the pressure is so on. For a team that nobody cares about, oh my God, the pressure is going to be suffocating for Dave Canales, a rookie head coach. This is not Bruce Arians coming in, the quarterback whisperer, and turning Bryce Young's career around. It's a guy who's never been a head coach. So it's going to be very intriguing, and I worry. I, I fear for the worst result, but I hope for the best. I feel like that makes his leash a little bit longer. If, if that David makes sense. Tepper wasn't the owner. G correct. Like that's, that's the wild card here. Like You're talking about, again, one of the more temperamental owners in the league. So how long will his leash be? I don't know. That depends on week to week, honestly. He could have a long leash one week, short leash the next. It's all about, like you said, Bryce Young. So is he developing? Is, is, uh, is Dave Canales making Bryce Young better? If the answer is no, then yeah, he might get the ax relatively soon. Certainly he's going to last more than a season. You'd think. Right? You'd think. Right? That's what they thought about Frank Reich. <laughs> right? So He, he didn't even make we'll, it to we'll December. I, I, think, I think Dave Canales is fully aware of this going into this. But again, it's one of 32 jobs in the world. And there weren't too many coaching candidates that really wanted that job. Yeah, um, like that's the tough part about having a team run by a temperamental new owner is it makes it an unattractive opening. You said one of 32 in the world, still going to be attractive because of that. But man, with seven, eight openings, oh, buddy, I would look at other ones first because I wouldn't want to go yeah. to a place where you're instantly under the microscope and you're going to continue to be uh, for week after week, especially if things don't, you know, you don't hit the ground running. So a lot of pressure on him, but I, the, the best possible outcome could be legendary and i i hope for that because bryce young is a small quarterback and i think he's limited in some ways just physically but he is also an immense talent who deserves a better situation to try to grow in than the one he got last year it's about more than that dan morgan the new gm is going to have to really nail it on the personnel side to really make this work but if it does work out oh it's going to be fun to watch definitely gonna be fun to watch levin bendy chiming in again i gotta stop saying chiming in and use a different word to explain somebody participating in the chat chatting again i think he gets two years more if he succeeds i think you're right lemon i hope i hope i can't guarantee it but i hope and here's my buddy saman he says isn't it hilarious that the panthers somehow wound up with a more narcissistic owner than the one they had who was heinous? <laughs> yeah not Hold a good on, run throw not my a great... drink through the uh camera here nick yeah <laughs> not not a good run in carolina that Super Bowl appearance in Super Bowl 50 feels like it was ages ago. Hopefully they get it back on track. All right. Um, other coaching hires that we'll gloss over real quick. The Seahawks hired Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, who did a really great job of putting the team in a great position to succeed. The defense is really playing great football until the AFC Championship game. And even in that game, they played really well. Yeah, the I was going to say, they, they still played a great game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they did. Uh, John Schneider, the GM there, is smitten with his hire. He looked over at him and grinned. 
And so this is it. This is the future right here. And to me, just to summarize it real quick so we can get on the next one, what they did is they took Pete Carroll, but somebody who's Pete Carroll's half Pete Carroll's age. Like Pete Carroll's 72, Mike McDonald's 36. They're like, you know what? We don't want to have the question every year of whether you're going to retire anymore. Like we moved on from you and we're going to replace you with another defensive minded head coach because we were one of the worst teams against the run last year and we have too much talent on defense to be this bad. Come in and fix us, lead us to victory. That's going to be a lot. I of love, I love that millennials are now getting coaching jobs in the NFL. It's I know, crazy dude. To think. I was like, like we have millennials. That guy's five years older than me. What the hell am I doing with my life? Right. Well, you're covering him, so that's you're going to be at the Super Bowl next week, Nick. That's not a bad I know, consolation. But, I mean, he's making millions. That that my salary pales in comparison, but that's neither here nor there. The other hire that happened in the NFL, the Commanders hired Dan Quinn, and that was after they were supposedly in the running for some other candidates, including, I guess, Bill Belichick. I don't think they ever took a serious look at him, but a lot of people like to pair them up. Belichick didn't get a job anywhere because nobody wants to give him full control. It's that simple, and he's he's at an advanced age for a coach. But Dan Quinn was a hot coaching name a year ago because of how he transformed Dallas's defense. He did an even better job statistically this year, even though they melted down in the uh, on Super Wildcard weekend. I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong here, Sean, but I feel like people are soft playing this too much. Like they're saying it's an underwhelming hire and it was the last one to be made and they just took what was left. But I mean, this is a team that had the worst defense in the NFL with a defensive-minded coach. If you're going to fix it, this is how you do it. No, no, Nick, no. You were talking about prom earlier, right? Well, this yeah. is when like all of the dates are already taken and you have to take like your cousin to prom. Oh. Or your mom to prom. Oh. Like this is this was, hey, we want Ben Johnson or uh, who, uh, who's the who's the Lions OC? Yeah, Ben Johnson. Ben Ben Johnson. Okay. We want Ben Johnson. Well, first off, no. actually first off, it was Bill Belichick. Remember, yeah. he was connected to the commanders even during the season. Like, okay. He's going to be out in New England and go right to Washington. But you're right. No one wants to give him full control. So, okay, he's out. Ben Johnson, you're our guy. We're going to wait for your, your run in the playoffs to be over, whenever that is, and you're our guy. No. Ben Johnson says, ah, I'm just going to stay in Detroit. Uh, I'm going to be an OC a little bit longer. Um, all right, Dan, I, I guess you're up. Let's go. Like, it 100%. He was their bronze medal. He was their third choice out of three candidates. Like he is, you can call it whatever you want. Like, yeah, they had a really bad defense and maybe he can turn it around, but he was not their first choice or their second choice. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Or maybe that, even their third choice. That's fair. That's totally I heard, fair. I heard Mike McDonald also had an offer from Washington too. Yeah. That's totally fair. So he was their fourth choice. But how do you feel good about this if you are a Washington football team fan? Because Sean, we have grown up and started to follow the NFL very closely in an era in which the Browns had to settle for Mike Pettin. Dan Quinn's been Fair a head point. coach, and he's a good defensive coordinator. He's not Mike Pettin. He's not Pat Shermer. Like, not to rail on the Browns too much, but that's just two of the bad hires that they've made in the last 15 years. So that's your argument. It could be worse? It could be worse! Yes! This is also new ownership. They don't know what the hell they're doing either. Might as well go hire At the guy that was At least it's not Dan Quinn. It Dan could Quinn be worse. Dan Quinn won an NFC championship at one time. With Kyle Shanahan as his play caller, but still, he's he was he was a great defensive coordinator with the Seahawks. I, I don't know, uh, Lemon Bendy. I actually really like this contribution from him. They just went from one B minus former NFC South coach to another. Both Quinn and Rivera had coordinators Shanahan and, and uh, Sean McDermott in their Super Bowl runs who left, succeeded, and left their former teams in the dust. That is a good point, and that's a very big paragraph. So I'm going to take it off the screen because you can barely see me and Sean. But that is a great point, Lemon Bendy, and I think a lot of 
what a lot of the Falcons' success in 2016 had to do with Kyle Shanahan. We've seen what he's done with the 49ers since then. McDermott, I'm not as high on. But still, he was just doing a really good job as a coordinator. And if he builds out a staff that can match that production in Washington, then I, I still think it's not a bad hire. I think the worst decision Washington made wasn't hiring Dan Quinn, wasn't even firing Ron Rivera. It wasn't even starting Sam Howell for the whole season. It was trading Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Like, now you're asking Dan Quinn to come in and turn around a defense that you just eliminated their best two defenders. Maybe Deron Payne also has a place in that conversation from this group. They, of course, they were bad down the stretch. You took away their two top edge rushers and traded them away for future picks. So now the onus is on the person who's making the player personnel decisions. Make the right picks. Give this guy tools to succeed and don't pin him as a scapegoat two years from now when you're still bad. You don't have a quarterback. You lost both your top edge rushers because you knew you couldn't pay everybody. And you hired a veteran coach. This is probably the best situation. You don't throw a rookie coach in that situation. You know he's going to fail. So you might as well put a retread in there who's coming off a good couple of seasons as a coordinator. And you just say, all right, well, we hope for the best. We got to go. Now let's go figure out quarterback. That's, that's what I think. It could be much worse. Could be much worse, Sean. I do want to talk about, though, real quick, if we could. Um, the Steelers hiring their new OC. Oh, God. I was hoping to avoid this. I want your two cents. I want you to talk me off the cliff. I think I did that via text the other day. Um, so Sean is traumatized, folks. I'm Sean not is traumatized. A, I'm traumatized he's a wounded, because... wounded puppy. Well, look at who we had as our OC the last three That's years. That's why you like, were traumatized. I'm coming off of Matt Canada, right? Like, yeah. of course I'm traumatized. I don't want to love again, Nick. I, know. I don't want to, right? Look, man, breaking down those emotional walls is tough. You know, you spend a lot of time building them up into a fortress. You just spent years doing that while watching Matt Canada putz around and ruin the career of Kenny Real. Pickett. And now you get a guy who couldn't figure out how to use Kyle Pitts and Drake London and B. John Robinson well enough. I, for one, say that a lot of that had to do with quarterback, but that was also Arthur Smith's decision to roll with Desmond Ritter, to roll with Taylor Heineke when Desmond Ritter wasn't good enough, to yo-yo back and forth between the two while he was desperately trying to save his job, and then to cuss out Dennis Allen after he got blown out in what was guaranteed to be his last game as the head coach of the Falcons. Seven and ten in three years. The first two years were achievements because the team lacked talent. The third year, his luck ran out. The patience ran out, and he's gone. But I will say this, Sean, and I told you this. They were like the number two offense in Tennessee in, I think, his last year there before he moved on to the Falcons with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Yes, they had Derrick Henry, but still, and Ryan AJ Tannehill Brown. was the quarterback. Yes, and A.J. Brown. It could, again, like Dan Quinn, it could be worse. It could be, could be much, worse. much I hate worse. that that's your argument. It could be worse, man. It hey, could. It could be worse. There's demonstrated potential could, for him to We had to worse. We had the bottom the of the barrel in yeah, Matt it's Canada. Not, it's not Matt Canada, so it's already an upgrade. It's not, the, uh, it's fair not point. a home run. I wanted someone that could come in and help Kenny Pickett, though. He doesn't seem like he's that guy. I think Saman makes a great point here. Arthur Smith feels like a guy who might be a better OC than a head coach. Probably. I agree. I agree. Probably, yes. I, I very much agree. Um, his disposition as a head coach was not friendly to the media and maybe might have not been friendly to the locker room, especially when things got tough in his third season. 
he doesn't he's not taking those bullets in Pittsburgh. He's working under the the behind the shield of Mike Tomlin, who's already taken enough bullets in the last couple of months. He's gonna be allowed to come in there and given the keys to the offense, and they're gonna say, Hey, fix it. Get Kenny back on track. Take advantage of our wide receivers. Pat Fryermuth, believe it or not, Sean, translates better to what Arthur Smith does offensively than Kyle Pitts ever did. And my proof is Delaney Walker and how he thrived late in his career with Tennessee. They're more similar styles of tight ends than Kyle Pitts, who's a freak show as a tight end. He's the next generation of tight end. So there's your first place where you can be happy. A.J. Brown finding success. That could be George Pickens. Like There's opportunity to find success with the personnel and the coach right now. Counterpoint to you say he's not going to be taking bullets. Uh, Pittsburgh is one of those cities, one of those fan bases where you know the names of every coordinator and coach oh, yeah. on the staff. Oh, yeah. To the point where you're chanting for his firing at hockey games, at baseball games. People on uh, college game day in Alabama are chanting fire Canada when they have no skin in the game. That's how popular that chant got across the country to people that aren't even Steelers fans. So I know. Yeah, if Arthur Smith isn't cutting it, he'll take his fair share of bullets in Pittsburgh. But at it's, least it's a hard city to, do, to coach in and, and he, succeed. It is. He doesn't have to do post-game pressers. He has to do like one weekly presser. Like He's not going to get as many opportunities to get his feet forced to the fire, is what I'm saying. True. So that's, you know, you have that going for you, which is nice. All right, finally, 53 minutes in, we're going to talk about Super Bowl 58. We're not going to rehash championship weekend that already came and went. We're going to go, I think, straight to predictions, Sean, because you're going to get so much coverage, you listener, viewer on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, whether live or later, listener on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon's platform, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there. Give us a five-star review. You're going to spend enough time in the next week reading my coverage, reading my colleagues' coverage, watching and TV. you better. NFL Network and ESPN. You're going to watch it all. You're going to listen to people at the grocery store are going to ask you, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Is it going to be Taylor Swift's boyfriend or is it going to be the 49ers and that guy who's pretty good? So we're not going to do that. We're not going to break the game down. We're going to go right into predictions, Sean. And I want to know who you got winning this game. Nick, I'll tell you who I got winning this game. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know because in the doc, I, I said I have the 49ers beating the Chiefs. I think I predicted that same exact score. I think I predicted that same exact prediction back in Super Bowl 54 when we were in Miami, when they met the first time around. Like, I don't know. On paper, yes, San Francisco should win. They have the better all-around talent. They have a great defense. They have a great offense. They have weapons all over the field. Kansas City might have the best defense in the NFL. And on offense, you're looking, they got Patrick Mahomes and they got Travis Kelsey. Cool. Is that going to be enough to get it done? Well, it was against Baltimore, who really does have the best defense in the NFL. In terms of scoring, in terms of scoring, they do, yeah. So I don't know. I want to count out the Chiefs. I want to say that the 49ers are going to win this Super Bowl. That's my prediction, and I don't feel good about it. You know what? Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know. And the spread right now, the spread right now is one point. One point. That's what Vegas thinks the difference is. So I have no freaking clue. I can see almost like a repeat of the AFC championship game where the 49ers are keeping them in check until they don't. I, 
I don't know. I don't know. So our first Super Bowl that we both covered, 54, Niners Chiefs, a game for the ages, if you think about it. Kind of a colossal meltdown on the part of the 49ers. But there was a lot of scoring involved. And what we learned from that game was that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't good enough to win you a Super Bowl. The 49ers have acted accordingly. They have jettisoned him to Las Vegas where he flopped. Brock Purdy's the guy. Brock Purdy has powered some explosive games for the 49ers. But we cannot go into this game and realistically expect the teams to finish with a combined total of 65, 70 points. We just can't. We can, like Sean said, expect a game that's closer to the point total that came from the AFC Championship game, which is 27. That's pretty low. I think it's somewhere in between the two, which is a safe thing to say. But I'm going Chiefs, Sean, because like Saman said, are the Chiefs going to jiggle bag? For those of you who are new to the podcast, jiggle bag is a term that we use to describe a dominant performance, a soul-crushing performance, if you will. The Chiefs are going to jiggle bag, Sean, because Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback on the planet, and he has worked magic in these playoffs. That back-and-forth game against the Bills, the fact that they won that was so anticlimactic to me. I was just like, you know what? He's going to go in there and get the job done. You can all criticize his dad bod all you want. I don't care. The guy is hey, a tremendous generation. Relax on the dad talent. bods. Speaking of one that, got, that, that has a dad bod, even though I'm not a dad. <laughs> well, you're just preparing. Maybe. Who knows? Exactly. Hey, who knows? Uh, the defense matters to me more than anything. And if it's cliche to be like, oh, defense wins championships. But in this game where the Chiefs offense has not really found a rhythm, they found one against the Dolphins, but sub-zero temperatures. They found enough of one to beat the Bills. They found enough of one to jump out to a lead in Baltimore, but then they went into a shell in the second half. I'm not super confident in them. I am super confident in Patrick Mahomes to get the job done. Travis Kelsey had an incredible game against the Ravens. Like the, Some of the stuff they pulled off was unbelievable. You just don't see that kind of... The, the, the third and five completion that set up their first or it was their second touchdown where Kelsey runs around Mahomes in the pocket for like nine seconds before he throws the ball. Unbelievable stuff. You only get that from years of experience playing together. But the Chiefs defense is going to be the difference maker in this, in, in this game, in my opinion, because I don't believe in the 49ers defense enough to think that they can match what the Chiefs defense can do. And if there's one thing we know about Brock Purdy, there's two things. If it rains, he's screwed. Luckily, it's in a dome. But if he's pressured and a defense that's really good matches up against him, he struggles. He does have some issues. Dallas, that game, you know, was kind of the outlier there. But Cleveland, it was raining and it was a good defense. That was one example. Green Bay has a defense that just decided to show up randomly, but didn't show up for four quarters. And they had to use all four quarters to come back and win this game. And Detroit's defense would step up to the challenge at times, but wasn't consistent enough to be believed in. The Chiefs defense is. You can believe in them. They just held the Ravens to 10 points. They did a great job. They've had a hell of a run. They can shut down Brock Purdy. They can stop this offense. Christian McCaffrey is their biggest worry. He's the X factor of this game. But I think if I have to choose confidence points, let's assign confidence points. Five in the Chiefs defense, two in the Chiefs offense, three in the Niners offense, two and a half, three in the Niners defense. Total we're getting there. We're going two and a half, six to five and a half. Chiefs in the advantage. I got the Chiefs. They're going to do make it two times against the 49ers. Patrick Mahomes, ring number three. I have to agree with you. Ah. Just because I just because their defense is so good, and how can I not expect Patrick Mahomes to do it again? The only Super Bowl that he has lost was because he had absolutely no offensive line in front of him 
and one of the best defenses that year in Tampa Bay breathing down his neck. Yes. If he had an offensive line, a healthy offensive line, maybe the Bucs and Tom Brady still would have won that game, but also would not have been 31 to 9, right? No. Patrick Mahomes scrambled for more than a mile of distance in that game. I have to think he's going to get it done. But also, I just watched Brock Purdy in the second half in the NFC title game. And that was something special. I mean, that was magic. Someone asked me earlier this week, are more teams going to try and Brock Purdy their way to the Super Bowl? You can't. Okay. You want to. You meant that's that, the dream. You meant that as an insult, but at the same time, I get what you mean. Like, are you going to get back a cheap and quarterback and then just stack talent around him? Yeah. That's fine, but the quarterback still has to have a degree of talent, too, that can win you a Super Bowl. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo get there. Couldn't do it. We've seen Jared Goff get there. Couldn't do it. This, the quarterback still has to be good enough to perform. And I think Brock Purdy is that guy. The X factor is, can the Chiefs defense shut him down? I think they can. I think they can make life hell. I think Steve Spagnolo. I'm gonna, going to give. Have a great I'm day. not going to. I can't. I can't. I want to with every fiber of my being, but I can't bet against Patrick Mahomes I, and Andy Reid and no. Steve Spagnuolo. I can't do it. Give me the Chiefs 24-20. Okay. That's the same margin of victory I have for the Chiefs. I have 27-23. That's interesting, Sean. He changed his pick live. Oh, luckily, I don't feel good about this. This is such a toss-up. This is such a toss-up. That's what makes the game great, Sean. This is what puts butts in the seat. We'll say the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Next Sunday, Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas, the first Super Bowl in the Sin City. Patrick Mahomes goes for his third ring against a guy who's pretty good and Kyle Shanahan. Are you looking forward to the trip, Nick? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I have a question, though. Like, So you being NFL staff, you're not allowed to even think about entering yeah. a sports book. Like you can't yeah. even you oh, can't I even can, have anyway. a you can't even have a dream about yeah. entering a sports book. Yeah, correct. Um, during the so season, how, I'm, not, how, I'm not allowed to step foot in one during the season anywhere. Um, and, and all gambling is off limits uh, for me. That includes table games, everything off limits. You want you integrity, like, baby. It, you got it with the NFL. They're is that, shutting so, that so is that like, down. Is that a rule? Like you, you cannot go yes. up and play a game of poker. Correct. Slot machine. I will be fired. What? What? What hotel are you staying at? I'm not divulging that on a podcast. Oh, okay, fair point. <laughs> I thought about this before, and I was like, "Don't tell them where you're staying." But you're, but you're in Las Vegas, so safe to say that the first floor is just a casino. Yeah, so I'll just walk right past the blackjack tables and be like, "I'll see you in the off season." Is this a bit? ironic that the nfl is like none of y'all can even look at a slot machine well that's an interesting we're gonna topic put you... bring up yeah um i had this thought not, when to, they first... not to bash your employer i just think it no. is, it oh, is no, kind no. of ironic valid like, point the... um i had this thought when they first announced the super bowl was going to be in vegas um at that time i wondered do you think they'd still let me play blackjack and i've since found out that they can't that we can't um it's interesting, actually, if you analyze league employees by league, what they're allowed to do. Like, I believe NBA staff can bet on sports that are not NBA or college basketball. We can't bet on sports at all year round. Can't do it. Cannot do it. So it's been pretty easy for me to resist the sports betting craze, especially in Ohio. Ohio is the sixth most popular sports betting state in America. Data just came out. They generated $130 million in tax revenue in the first year of legalized sports gambling in the state. Dang. Um, just wait till, you know, the most recent issue of uh, legal weed passes. They're getting more tax revenue from that. Ohio rolling in the tax dollars. Um, so 
I've seen it happen all around me. And because, you know, we fill out a gambling policy every year where they're like, you cannot gamble. And so I'm just like, all right, that's not a possibility. It's out of my mind. So is all year long, you cannot, you can't even hop down the casino. No, no, no. I can, like, no, I, I can go play table games and like, you know, play blackjack. I love playing blackjack, but I okay. cannot gamble on sports at all. Nothing. Cannot do it. So can't do it. Can't but, do it. Can't so win you, with so you, so you, Can't do it. So you can't gamble like table games or anything during the season only? I can. I just cannot on this trip because it is a work trip. Ah. So anybody who wanted the inside info on the NFL gambling policy. Interesting. Members, well, now go. we know. Yes, there you go. So About to have the boring week. Anyone who's yeah. ever had in Las Vegas, have fun, Nick. That's 60 degrees, probably not even going to be a pool party. It's all right. It's a work trip. We got work to do, carving the Super Bowl. And we just did a lot of work on the Gridiron Podcast. We're an hour and five minutes in, and we're going to wrap it up right now, Sean, with our final segment of the day. Hate it or love it, what is your hate? Um, I was not prepared at all for this, if you can't tell, because I'm singing now. You go first, Nick. I, I got nothing. I, 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 got I nothing. mean, the only, the, I don't really have a hate. The only hate I hate is that I hate you know diabetes because my dad's in the hospital um and oh, has not yeah. had diabetes for a long time and it sucks um to watch somebody deal with that over the course of a few years or five years 10 years it sucks if you if you're diagnosed a diabetic please follow your doctor's instructions that's all i have to say um don't let it advance to the point where you get neuropathy you can't see very well you know you can't use your hands very it's just all that stuff. just avoid that just listen you know follow the sliding scale take your insulin watch your diet you can live a long, healthy life if you stay on top of it early. Uh, don't let it get to an advanced state where you're seeing doctors all the time and you're in, you're in the hospital. That's all I say. I hate diabetes. I, I hate disease, but I especially hate diabetes. And I watched Killers of the Flower Moon, and like one of the main characters in that movie has diabetes, but it's like the 1920s, um, which really Spoiler hit. Spoiler alert! Thank you. Well, no, it's, it's it's revealed early in the movie. It has nothing to okay. do with well, some something to do with the plot, but yeah. Did you figure out a hate show? You can bypass it if you want. I, I had one and I forgot what it was, to be honest with you. Oh, you know what? Technology problems. Technology has plagued me the last two days at work to the point where now my computer has to go in early Monday morning and like basically be like not rebuilt, but like just reset to the factory settings. And then they're going to build it all back up like the settings that I have. They're basically going to wipe my computer, but then like rebuild it back to where I had it just because it's been freezing on me. It's been lagging and all this started. I don't want to blame IT, but like they got a hold of my computer, they did something to it, and now it's just been the updates. Man. Up. The updates. I got forced to do an update yesterday, and now my speakers on my laptop don't work. Ah, yeah. you you IT devils, you think you know everything, and, and you're very helpful most of the time, but and yeah. it's, it it wouldn't be a problem if the people that could help me the most weren't in like three hour long meetings while I'm trying to work around that. Thankfully, I uh, edited my story today and attached it to the show before my computer computer completely just you know, crapped out. Um, just quit. It was just frankly, like I'm, I'm amazed that the camera's even working right now. So that's great. John, um, did you, did you submit a ticket? To your no, IT we department? don't do, we, we don't, we don't do that. We, no. we email. No. Okay. Is the, because every ticket I ever submit priority low. I'm just like, I don't matter. <laughs> that's, that's a valid hate, Sean. Um, I guess I'll go with my love. Those of you who have landed here probably came via um, the Around the NFL account. Uh, there's a reason that our viewership is highest in the UK, and that is thanks to you, the ATN listeners, who have decided to follow me over here to our own little podcast. So we thank you, because we can do the show from, because of support from viewers like you. Thank you. Uh, the Around the NFL podcast won an award this week. 
Oh. Yes, the Sports Podcast Awards, which I, sorry, I didn't know this existed until yesterday. Uh, they have decided to name the Around the NFL podcast as the number one sports podcast that exists. They took the gold medal ahead of the fantasy footballers and nightcap, whatever that is. Uh, shout out to loyal Twitch viewer and Around the NFL podcast listener and occasional listener to this podcast, Chris, out in Alaska for alerting me to this achievement. Uh, congratulations to all of the members of the podcast. I feel privileged to spend a small amount of time with you every Sunday and occasionally a little bit more time when we do podcasts on Wednesdays and in the off season. Uh, it's a blast being on the show, and I love that they won an award because those guys work hard and they produce fantastic content that you should all go listen to. And if you watch the right episode, you might just see my bald head on there for like 15 to 20 minutes. Sean, what's your love? I don't want to know, by the way, wait, what place we finished in, the Gridiron Podcast. I'm sure we weren't even on the radar. Way down there. Way, way down there. Uh, it's a good target for us to strive toward reaching. Exactly, yeah. Let's get on the podium next year. This time yes. next year we'll be yes. on the podium. Well, let's Speaking at least get of, the points. Yes, let's at least get the points. Speaking of being on the podium, I love that the Formula One season hasn't even started. It's still a month away, and we are talking about it daily now. Sending texts yeah. back and forth, talking about it. I'm getting ready for it just because of all the news that has come out. We're getting driver signings. We're getting new tracks, new races, and then the biggest news bombshell of them all. People were asking me, what is this like Lewis Hamilton got it for? What does that like? What yeah. does that mean? Like, wow, what, what does that equate to? And I was like, it's easy. Like Tom Brady coming to the Buccaneers, Shohei yeah. Otani going to the LA Dodgers. Like, it's very easy to equate that like remember when you were like why the hell is tom brady gonna go to tampa bay this is the same thing this is the same thing that's happening this is how big this is um so yeah i'm i'm excited for the <laughs> to, to kick this uh to light this candle yeah my uh this roman candle um my boss my manager at the nfl messaged me when this news broke as soon as it hit the new york times he sends me the link he goes Hey, Shook, is this like big news? And I said, it's colossal news. Like it does not get bigger than this when it comes to drivers changing teams. And he's like, is this like LeBron to like the Lakers or LeBron to Miami? And I said, kind this of. This is LeBron. This is like LeBron coming back to Cleveland. This is bigger than that. I said, this is like if LeBron forced his way to the Bulls. <laughs> because the Bulls are kind of a train wreck and have no direction. But they do have talented players and they just have them delivered. And that's kind of Ferrari. And it's like, what, what do you mean LeBron's going to leave the Lakers to go to the Bulls? What? But it's also where Michael Jordan played. They have a history. They have six rings, all won by Michael Jordan. Like, there's a history, just like with Ferrari. So um, I love, this is why this podcast exists. That the fact that F1 has gotten so big that we can find crossover points. Like, you think you look at it on the surface. When I explain it to people, I'm like, we talk about football and Formula One. And they always raise an eyebrow. And they're like, what? And I'm like, football's the most popular sport in America. F1's the fastest growing sport in America or at least it was when we started the podcast. They're both filled with drama. There's always reasons to talk about them. The seasons last really long. The NFL is like six, seven months. If you start from training camp all the way to the Super Bowl, you're going July to February. F1's damn near a whole year. And it's a constant producer of storylines. This was made for us. Like when this happened, it was like, I don't think I have time to do a podcast this week, but the Super Bowl is coming up and oh, Lewis Hamilton's going to Ferrari. We have to do it. Which we had to talk about that. This is why we do this. And I totally agree with you, Sean. I love that we can talk about it with people who aren't fans and explain it to them and maybe rope them in because it also increases our listenership. And we thank you for listening to the show. Katie is giving her hate and love from afar where she doesn't have time to be on the show, but she has time to chat. I'm just kidding. 
she texts us and she goes <laughs> she sends us a text and she says oh, i just i uh i when i find the time to tune in and support my pals in the middle of errands and then i hear shit talking <laughs> and it's the it's the gift of obama well, you know what katie if you were here to defend yourself we wouldn't shit talk you <laughs> mike dropped <laughs> she said my hate most things at the moment but love nick and i get to oh yeah we get to meet on sunday in in vegas she'll be covering the super you're Bowl. you're leaving sunday yeah i don't leave till sunday she leaves tomorrow but i don't leave till sunday oh geez i thought you guys were leaving like next week oh no sean i'm there for eight <laughs> days baby i got opening right, night well, on monday night i got media tuesday through thursday we got all kinds of things to to handle for work and katie's gonna be out there as an editor um I think they partnered with NBC, so she's going to be yeah, grinding yeah. away in the editing room and getting a ton of firsthand experience. I'm sure she's very overwhelmed by it. I know she and I have talked about that, but listen, Katie, I, I, hopefully you're still listening. Embrace it. It is a memory that you will cherish for a lifetime in your career. Uh, and the whole thing's a whirlwind, and it's really fun to be at the epicenter of the sporting world, which is where you'll be in Vegas with the Super Bowl this week. And yes, it'll be great to meet. Because, you know, we've all done, what, 26 episodes of this podcast, plus the time we added her to the Sean and Shook podcast. So, you know, we got an understanding here, all of us. The only sad part, maybe this should have been my hate. I just hate that Sean's not there. Well, you still haven't told me what your 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 uh, housing situation is going to be like, Nick. And I'm still looking at flights. I mean, like, if you guys want me to come out I'm there, I mean, saying, I'm just saying. I'm, I mean, I'm we can talk saying. about that off the podcast. You know, there is a possibility there. I don't know what the I, hotel room is going to be like. And maybe there is a second bed. Who knows? I, I told people I was hosting a Super Bowl party next week. But you know what? I mean, hey, if I'm in Vegas, I, I guess I'll just be in hey, Vegas. Sorry, I guys. Know. I left chips and nachos. I left nachos and some, you know, some Help yourself out. to the beer in the fridge. I'm across the country. <laughs> uh, this has been a fun podcast, John. An hour and 15 minutes, and it was totally worthwhile. Thank you to I'm everybody sorry. who stuck around, who tuned in for the F1 talk. Katie says, Sean to Vegas. Woo, woo, woo. Who stuck around through the F1 talk for the NFL talk, who tuned in early, late, somewhere in between, who commented. Uh, thanks to Saman, Katie, Lemon, Bendy, Albert. You guys are all great. Thank you for participating in the show. It always makes it more fun. And don't forget to give us a five-star review or however many stars you think we deserve. Are we three-star people to you? Really? Really? Constructive criticism is appreciated, but, you know, it's pump up Sean's ego. It's already right. Like that fourth high. or fifth star. Come on now. You know, he's, he's all about, you know, he's, he's already brought in the suburban ants. Get the uncles in here, too. What do you say, Sean? What do you say? The nieces, the nephews, the whole family's welcome. <laughs> all right, Sean, how do we get out of here? This has been episode 26 of the Gridiron Podcast for Nick Shook and for the absent Katie Caldwell. I'm Sean Barry, and as always, live life in the fast lane. And always bet on black. Except for me. This week. Except for Nick. Nick.